Alright, let's uh let's pray. God, thank you for the chance just to get together tonight and just to look at um, the resurrection as we continue our study on the last week of Jesus. May we just see how important this is um, as Christians, how how all this rests in, on that on that Sunday morning, and how pivotal that was um, for all of mankind. God, pray for tonight. I pray that we uh, we see that you are alive and that. Uh, through you, we have a chance to be alive as well. Shame, I pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and come up and grab your Bibles. Maybe one of these days you'll grab it before you sit down. We'll work on that one day. Hey, think better. Think better. Think better. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. My bad. Now, they start putting it like in one place. Is that what you did, Zach? Put it in the same spot, makes it easier. Leah does the same thing. You do the same thing. You put yours over there so you know where it is. Nice. Oh, let's keep getting right in your way, don't I? I like these highlighters. Those gel ones are really good. They don't. Oh my god. <laughs> Why did you throw your phone like that? Golly. Gavin. Gavin. I don't know. Look at him. He looks like this, like a specimen. Is he? And he changed his mind after that afternoon. I'm looking forward to camp. I'm looking forward to it being like a high of like 75. I'm so excited for that. All right. What are you doing now? I would have thrown a pin at you or a highlighter. Make you do something like okay. All right, well, welcome back to Break Trail. Of course, we've, we were talking about um, breaking trail, which is like a hiking term. So how many of you guys like to hike? How many of you are a hiker? Anybody here a hiker? The Coopers? Okay, yeah, we don't have that a lot of that out here. The mountains of Midland, Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the loop, you mean the loop, right? Okay. Yeah, because they went to Colorado without us, right? I, what do you mean, y'all? I was with you, Goober. Where are you? Well, I was at church camp or something. I wasn't there. Butthead. All right. Anyways, my daughter's rude to me. Both. When you're out in nature, it's pretty common to be taken by surprise by a wild creature or two. Maybe a bird dive bombs you and steals your snacks or something. I remember we, I was in Angleton and we took a group of students. Um, we had, so there's a Christian school as part of our church. And uh, I, I taught the Bible class for the seniors and I, I knew everybody on staff. And uh, a good friend of mine was the, the physics teacher. And so they were going to go to. Um, Pleasure Pier, which is a place where there's there's carnival like like roller coaster rides and little carnival rides in Galveston for their physics trip. They're gonna get a behind the scenes tour of this place and then get to, to spend a couple hours riding rides. So I volunteered because yes, it involves rides. So as soon as we got out of the bus, we were walking our walking that way. I had this bird fly over and it decided just to poop all over me. 
It was wonderful. It was like hitting like it hit like me and two or three other people. It was the best. It's the best. So maybe you have something like that, or maybe you get stalked by a bobcat, which would be weird. Maybe you brush a leaf off of your arm and realize it's actually a spider, not a leaf. Um, That's okay. But you're here now. You got found, apparently. I mean, you're here, so that's good. But when you're out in nature, you have to stay aware of the many living things around you, snakes and things like that. A lot of animals have a natural ability to kind of blend into their surroundings for protection. So sometimes animals are hard to spot. But even, even indoor animals have camouflage abilities, like these labradoodles look a lot like fried chicken. They look a lot like fried chicken. Well, you have these owls and apples look pretty. They look fairly. They look more alike than they should. They're apples and owls. They shouldn't look that much alike. There you go. Or you have parrots and guacamole. Or mangoes. Parrots and mangoes. Okay. Or kittens or ice cream sundaes with caramel. You could be eating a kitten. Or chihuahuas and blueberry muffins. This is not my phone. Look at those eyes of this one. That looks... This this one right here looks just like this one right here. Look at those eyes. Yeah. Alright. Alright, considering it's Easter season, yes, we've we've had Easter Sunday. Um you might know where I'm kinda of going with this whole being surprised something was alive, right? You go here, it turns out this this thing is actually alive. The last few weeks we've been following Jesus' journey to the cross and, and beyond. Remember week one, we saw Jesus betrayed by his friends on the night of his arrest. On week two, we saw Jesus was beaten, tortured, and mocked on his way to the cross. Last week, uh, we found Jesus on the cross in the last moments before his death. And tonight, um, in celebration of, of Resurrection Sunday that we had uh, a few weeks ago, we're going to talk about what happened next. Most of you guys are here. You probably know these things. You've, you've probably heard this story. Most of you guys have, right? You grew up in church. You're at least familiar with this story. Because, you know, most of us know, we know what happened after Jesus was killed. It's, it's what Easter Sunday and our entire faith in Jesus is all about. Three days after Jesus died, of course, he, he rose from the dead. Jojo was telling me a story today at lunch. We had this, my wife watches this little bitty baby. And so we had this book. So Jojo was reading the Easter story to me. Of course, she can't read, and it wasn't an Easter story book, but she was reading the Easter story to me. So she knows that Jesus came back to life three days later. But before we get there, I want us to think about what it must have been like for Jesus' friends and followers before they heard the good news of the resurrection. The Saturday of, of, of the day before, it's called Silent Saturday. There's not a lot in the Bible. Actually, by a lot, I mean I don't think there's anything in the Bible about what happened on that Saturday. And so it's called Silent Saturday because there's not much scriptural, you know, of what they did. But just, you know, my encouragement to you from, from now on, whenever you have Easter come up, I want you guys to kind of put yourself in their shoes 
And imagine yourself as one of those disciples who did not know that Jesus was coming back. You know, because we live on this side of Jesus' resurrection, right? We know he came back. We, we have those things. But these guys didn't. They didn't have that information. You just kind of imagine yourself in their same kind of shoes and in their scenario of like, how, how scary would you have been? What would you have thought? What would you have done? You know, try not to jump ahead to that celebration just yet. Instead, see if you can imagine what it must have been like to be one of his followers. You know, your leader, the one who, who you thought was the son of God, was, was now dead. And your own life is in danger. Your movement seems to be over. Everything that had given you hope and purpose just a few days earlier now seems like a lost cause. If you had been there, you would probably have been feeling pretty hopeless. Probably would have been wondering, will things ever get better? In our lowest and, and most hopeless moments, it often seems impossible to imagine a way out of our hopeless stories. But Jesus is in the business of breaking new trails that nobody else could. So we're going to see how Jesus broke trail on the path to hope. If you have your Bible there, turn to Luke 24. Luke 24 is where we're going to be, starting in verse 1. Luke 24, verse 1. Do it. Luke 24, verse 1. Our last stop on this journey toward Easter in our story, we left with Jesus' body being taken down from the cross and prepared for burial. All his close friends and family mourned their loss. Okay, in, in Jewish culture, it is customary that when somebody died, uh, they would visit their tomb on the third day. And they, during this visit, friends and family would cover their loved one's body uh, with oils and spices to kind of cover and try to maybe hide the dead odor, you know, the odor of a dead body and, and honor this dead person, right? So that's, that's what they would do. So three women who had been close followers and friends of Jesus were the ones who got up early, early on that third day to go and treat the body of Jesus. All things considered, these women expected to go to Jesus' tomb and find him dead, right? That's what they expected to find. That's why they had these spices to go and do this. They didn't have time um, when he was taken off the cross. And so this was a sad and, and somber and overall just a hopeless situation, right? As far as they know, all that was left to do was grieve and mourn what they had lost. So that takes us to Luke 24.1. From the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. They remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, <coughs> the mother of James, and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. All right, so the women, they, they went 
to the tomb expecting to see Jesus' body there, right? But they didn't. Instead, two men appeared, probably angels, to tell the women the person they were looking for wasn't dead at all. He was, in fact, alive. Picture yourself as one of these three women. Just imagine kind of how shocked you may have been to get there and to see the stone moved out of the way, to see these two guys in dazzling apparel, it says, and to see no body in there. It, that's a lot to process and not a lot of time. You know, this announcement that they heard didn't make sense. They saw Jesus die, right? They saw his body. They knew he was buried in this tomb. That's why they were coming here. They knew he was buried. So this, why this announcement doesn't make any sense, but he's not here anymore. What, what, what do you mean? When they started thinking through all the things Jesus had said that once seemed so cryptic to him, things began to make sense for the first time. Because Jesus really was truly alive. And this shouldn't have been a surprise. Jesus had been hinting at this all along, right? Of course, we're on this side of the cross, and we we're like, man, those guys were just stupid and dumb and didn't pick up on these things. But of course... We, we see it from this, this lens and this perspective. We don't see it like they do. The women ran to the rest of the disciples to tell them Jesus was alive, but of course they found it hard to believe, which would, you probably would, right? Your teacher who you saw die, or, you know, died dead and put in this tomb, and they come back, hey, he's alive. You're going to be like, come on now. That's not funny. We shouldn't be joking about stuff like that, right? You probably wouldn't believe it. And so they found it hard to believe. And even Peter, who's usually the first to get excited, had to go to the tomb. He ran to the tomb to see for himself. And Peter saw the empty tomb, but he just still didn't believe what had happened. <clears throat> Luke told us that Peter walked away in awe, wondering what was going on. So can you blame Jesus' followers for their confusion and their hesitation? The idea that Jesus had risen from the dead was so fantastic and unbelievable. But it makes sense with that why they had trouble grasping this whole thing. In 2010, there was a disaster in the country of Chile. You may not remember a lot of it because you're probably like two when it happened. That really hurts to say that, that you were like two. You were five. It still hurts. Anyways, 33 miners were at work underground, just like they did every single day. When the ground shifted and a rock that was bigger than a skyscraper fell into the only path that existed for the miners to exit the mine. There's 33. These men were completely trapped underground, in the dark, with limited food and supplies, and dwindling oxygen. There, there was a moment that felt helpless and hopeless. It, it would have been this one. You're in this mine, stuck underneath this boulder, with not a lot of stuff. However, after almost 70 days, 70, 70, 70 days of planning, innovating, failing, succeeding, and a whole lot of drilling. An international team of miners and scientists, they had a breakthrough. They drilled a hole that reached deep into the earth to the place where the miners were stuck. And they built this extraction tube. This is, this is the guy that's going to kind of see if he can fit and not really test it, but kind of see if it'll work um, to an extent. They didn't go all the way down. This device can only pull up one of the miners at a time, and it took roughly 15 minutes. 15 minutes, and this thing, that once it goes through the rock, it's going to be just dark. Enclosed in something like this. 15 minutes to go from where they were up to the top. There was a man named Florencio Avalos. He was the very first person to make that trip. 
Nobody was confident he could survive or that it would work. No one had ever built a device like this before. Certainly nobody had tested it to see if it would work. 33 families, friends, scientists, and media outlets from all over the world watched as Florencio emerged from the extraction device, safe and alive. After Florencio successfully broke this trail, every single one of those 33 miners followed in his footsteps and took their trips to the surface. All 33 survived. Florencio blazed the trail for his fellow miners, and it was a trail that led from death to life. If only they were willing to follow his lead and go in this tube and take this 15-minute-long journey. can't imagine what that would be like. If you, ever, if you don't know this story, how many of you guys have ever heard of this story or knew this? Anybody ever heard it? I think there's a movie out with it about it. Let's read up on it. It's just crazy what they, I mean, what they had to do, what they, how they survived, how they got food and supplies to them. It's, it's pretty cool. Of course, it's not a perfect analogy, but in some ways, Jesus' resurrection was similar to that first trip taken by Florencio. When Jesus rose from the dead, he showed us all the way to find a new life as well. And of course, it's, again, it's not a perfect you know, analogy, but you guys kind of understand what I'm talking about, right? Turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 21. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 26. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and that is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom, of, the kingdom to God, <clears throat> the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. When Paul says we can be made alive again in Jesus, he means, I think, two things. That when we die, we don't stay dead, right? Just like Jesus, we can rise again and live an eternal life with God. But with Jesus, we also find new life right here and right now. The things in our lives, the hearts that seem dead, don't have to stay that way. At the core of our faith is the belief that God can turn death into life. That God can redeem anything that's gone wrong. You may think that, man, I've done this. I've done this kind of this sin, whatever it may be, and God can't forgive me. God can't love me. God can redeem anything that's gone wrong. And God can resurrect anyone and anything. You're not too far gone. You're not too, you're not, you haven't messed up enough for God not to redeem you, not to be able to redeem you. Seeing things come back to life is kind of what following Jesus is all about because Jesus is alive, and with Jesus, so are we. And with Jesus, I sometimes feel a little bit like this little guy.
Now, I didn't show you the whole video, it's a, like three minutes long. This little guy gets this, this thing that happens to him when they get too cold. He fell in the trench, and when he gets too cold, his body goes into this state where it's almost like he, he's almost dead, and they have to be warmed up in order to come back to life. It's like torpor or something, it's weird like that. But, you know, this little mouse is super cute, and he's totally acceptable if you giggled with glee when he, kind of, when he saw him kind of hopping and moving around a little bit. This little guy had been in a hopeless situation. He was stuck in a trench, powerless to free himself. Someone, unless somebody bigger and more powerful came to rescue him like this, like this guy did. Now, honestly, this video resonates with me, not just because we're both adorable and like to take naps, but I know what it's like to get stuck in a state of, of torpor, which is what that's called. You, know, you get a state where you just kind of just, you're just stuck. You, you don't even know what's going on. You just feel hopeless, like the way the world is just coming on you, all these things. This thing's coming at you, and this thing's coming at you. All these different things where you're stressing over, you're just like, I just, I can't move. So what about you? Is there a part of your life where maybe you've lost hope? Maybe, maybe in your faith. Has it been a while since you really gave your, your faith a chance? Maybe you haven't spent much time with Jesus. Maybe it feels like part of you is in the past or was never real to begin with. Maybe you just said these things and you didn't really feel like you knew what you were doing. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe you think that maybe you want to start tonight. Maybe in your, in your dreams, you feel like all of your hopes and plans are falling apart. Maybe it seems like it's time to give up and maybe to stop trying. Maybe your world, maybe you've been fighting for a long time now to try and see things change in, in our city or around the world, you see brokenness and want to change, see change, but nothing ever seems to get any better. Maybe in your relationships, maybe there's somebody you love and you've been praying for, but you're beginning to lose hope that they'll ever overcome whatever problem is that they're facing. It's not easy to hold out hope when, when things seem so dark. Because Jesus is alive, and there's a time when Jesus was truly dead, Right? His followers' faith is still shaken to its core. They're still having some problems. I don't know what the future holds, but I believe Jesus can do things that none of us would expect. There's no prayer too big for the one who died but didn't stay dead. There are things in life that we cannot bring life to on our own, but thanks to Jesus, nothing has to remain Dead, nothing has to remain lost, nothing has to remain hopeless. Not us, not our faith, not our dreams, not our world, not our relationships, not the people we love. Yes, Jesus died, but that's not the end of the story. You guys should smile because that is not the end of the story. Thank you, Jackson. This is not the end of the story. Jesus got up. He left death and hopelessness and the power of sin behind not for himself, but for you and me.
Death and sin don't have to have the last word for this one reason, that Jesus is alive. And thanks to him, we can have life as well. Let's pray. I pray that these, these kids and adults in here see the importance of this story to know that that you were once dead, God, but now you are alive, that um, you conquered death and sin so we could have a chance to spend eternity with you. And I pray for anybody here tonight who, who may not have made that decision to follow you. I pray that they are um, so uncomfortable tonight that they can't go to sleep until they, they make things right with you, that they just choose to confess their sins and turn to follow you. God, I pray for those in here tonight who may um, not be walking with you like they should, may not be close to you. God, I pray that they find a way back to you through, through reading, through prayer, whatever it may be, that they choose to just um, come back. And I pray for um, those who whose dreams are they feel are shot, who, who they believe their relationships can't be mended. God, I pray that they just give them peace, that they know that you only you can provide these things and that you can so much bigger than any problem that they're facing, anything that they're dealing with and going through. God, and I pray that they, they look to you for that hope that only you can provide. Pray for this next little bit of time in our small groups. I pray um, they open up and they're honest with each other and, and with um, themselves. And they just look at um, their walk with you, God, and just do what they can to grow closer, God. In name I pray. Amen. Ryan. All right, you guys go. Uh, a couple groups. Ryan, I can already tell you that I'm pretty sure you're going to regret having that fucking sweets out there for so long. Okay. <laughs>